Okay, fantastic. Page 636, we're going to start chapter 20. And the last thing we went through, we spent uh, two weeks on chapter 19, and we saw how this woman, this Pelegesh, this concubine, was um, violently raped, uh, ultimately died through the process um, as she is visiting a city in Binyamin. And her husband takes her back, um, back home and sends a break cuts her up into pieces, sends it off to uh, the different Shvatim, and although we, it's not exactly clear what message he sends with it, but clearly there's some level of message, and the end of the 19th chapter was basically them all exclaiming, all acknowledging, this is crazy, we've never seen anything like it, and we have to do something about it. Okay, that's, that's where we left off. They're all shocked, and now let's see what happens next. Okay? That's a general question. Yeah. Where are the Shvatim holding at this point? Are they... Separate? Are they allied? Are they are they working together at all? Are they all go which kind of like where are they holding? It's a good question. Um, it's a good question uh, on a lo- number of levels. I mean, also really depends where is this taking place. Is this taking place in the beginning of the book of Shoftim, or you know chronologically? In which case. Just a few years ago, they were, I mean, according to the classic, classic approach, this takes place immediately, like not that long after the death of Yeshua. So they were just fighting as a mobilized team for all this time. And so presumably, yeah, their, their mindset is very much like that. If it takes place at the end, like we saw the Radak, or, you know, and others, uh, or, or Barbanel and others, then um, doesn't sound like they're getting along on the contrary, right? There's a lot of uh, ill will between the tribes, right? If one, if one shavit steps up, then, then the other one doesn't, and they, they, there's a lot of, it just doesn't seem like things are going that well. Certainly in, our, in the light of what we saw Shimshon, Shimshon's on his own, the, the Shvatim are coming independently. We don't really see that level of connection between them. So um, I think it'll really go back to that, that major question. And we will see some of this question about, are they to be seen as one, or are they supposed to be seen as individual groups. So I think that's going to come up specifically over here. Um, I'm not sure if that's what you're trying to foreshadow or, but, but there, okay. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, so let, 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 let's jump in. So, so all of the Jewish people go out. And they gather, right? Where do we have that terminology? Harsina, right? Uh, the Jewish people receive the Torah, right? So obviously that, that's a unique term and is there to catch our attention. We'll come back to it in a moment. Lemidan va'ad Beersheva, that's a way of saying all across Israel, from Dan to Beersheva, from the north to the south. Ve'eretz uh, ha'gilad, and all of the gilad. El Hashem, to God ha'mitzvah, in mitzvah. Um, so there are a number of different places which are mitzvah. There's one mitzvah which is not too far from Binyamin. Our assumption is it's that mitzvah. And... It's interesting, it's called El Hashem. There's no Mishkan there. Uh, but the reason it's called El Hashem, the commentators explain, is because the fact that when all the Jews gather together, it is, a, it is as if God is there. We have this notion that when uh, we have a big crowd of, of Jews gathering together, then the Shekhinah in and of itself arrives there. In addition, in the book of Yeshua, we had some miracles that took place in Mitzvah, and therefore it's seen as like a godly place, a place where mir- great miracles took place. Uh, but the Mishkan is not there. Nonetheless, it's still called El Hashem. Okay, so let's get back to this, this term ki'ishachad, right? So obviously our, our attention is immediately grabbed by the fact that they are coming together as one. Um, it, it could be done for two reasons. You know, it's interesting, I don't, most of the commentators don't really address this, the classic commentators. Um, it could be to draw an ironic contrast. They gather together for the Torah, and here they gather together for civil war, right? And really the most pathetic and sad way of saying this. Alternatively, which I think to me it seems like a little bit more credible, I believe, that there is something positive over here. We're about to read a truly tragic section, but ultimately, it's, it's, it's really, there's a couple of good things which start to evolve over here. The, to your point before, 
They were not as one. Certainly, and I, personally, it's just an easier read to assume it's taking place at the end of the book of Shoftim. They're a fractured group um, on many levels. They just, there's no intermarriage, which we'll come back to later on. But they're also not really acting like they have anything to do with one another. Each shevet, each tribe is taking care of themselves. And over here, they're gathering together. Now, it's true, it's going to cause some terrible things, but there's a certain shock that causes them to kind of wake up and come together, band together. There's going to be a lot of bad along the way, but it's going to ultimately bring us to a bit of a better place. Um, so, you know, something I think we should be paying, I, I would pay attention to is that, although I keep on, kept on saying over and over again, the book of Shoftim is like, the end of it is really like the crash, crash land, like everything is just falling apart, but there are really some significant movements to the positive that are taking place at the exact same time. So almost that it's, you know, they, they call it, you know, the, what are they, the, you know, rock bottom type of thing, but at rock bottom, something very positive is awakened in the Jewish people. They're ki'isha chad again. Wow, that's like a pretty noble term that is only used when the Jewish people receive the Torah. Well, maybe something very special is happening now. And although it's in the immediate uh, moment, it's going to be um, negative, but I think something positive is going to come out. So we'll see if that piece stands. All the leaders of the nation stood. All of the tribes. Again, in a gathering of the nation of God. A lot of positive terms is the nation of God, right? So it does sound like there's a certain, the, 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 the author, right? the Navi over here is speaking in a rather positive way of describing them. They're Am HaElokim. They're the nation of God. It seems like there's something very good over here. Arba Meos Elef Ish Ragli. 400,000 men gathered. Sholei Cherev. Come in. Um, with a... Uh, oh yeah, thank you. Um, with an outstretched, outstretched sword. Okay? So 400,000 people come or all coming with their, with their swords. Okay? So on the one hand, you know, again, we said Am HaElokim. There's this positive term. At the same time, it's worth pointing out that they don't exactly come in a calm, um, thought-out type of state of mind. What are we going to do? Are we going to have a discussion with the people of Benyamin, or are we going to engage them in dialogue? They come armed, right? So it's, it's quite clear, and as much as, you know, so the, the, you know, I think it's important just to, to mention that they're coming ready to rumble, okay? And I think that we can't lose sight of that, that they come in a, in a, immediately, but they all come armed. So it doesn't really leave too much room for some dialogue if everyone's coming itching, for battle. Okay? But the village not there. They're separate. Ah. But, the, but it says all of the Kali gets together. So who's left out in addition to Binyamin? Just Binyamin. Just Binyamin. Correct. And that is exactly why it's being emphasized. And the, the, all the commentators point to, right, the next words. Vishmu Bnei Binyamin. Bnei Binyamin heard about this. Ki alu Bnei Yisrael Mitzvah. That this is a mass gathering. It's like, uh, you know, the Siyamashas on speed. I mean, this is, this is it. This is like, everyone's getting together. Why aren't you there? And not just, why aren't you there? and being taken part. But you really need to be there. It's about you. And it wasn't like they were excluded. They chose to not show up. Okay, so the, the author again is this clearly is highlighting the evils of of Shevet Benyamin, um, and really they need to take responsibility for what took place in their one of their cities. It wasn't something that they all did wrong, but had they been there, had they showed up and said, "Yeah, this is something bad," it perhaps could have been a very different story. So the Yishmu Benyamin, the the Torah's Dafka, you know, specifically contrasting, all the Jewish people are there. Benyamin's not. They need to be there. They are part of Shifte Yisrael. Okay? Vayomru B'nei Yisrael and B'nei Yisrael said, Dabru Echa Sahara Zos, speak, how did this bad thing happen? Okay? So they, they come and they now need to know the details. Again, all they got was a gory package in the mail. Um, they didn't really get the full details of the story. So now that they're gathered, they need, a, they need to investigate. They're doing the right thing. But again, I will balance that with the fact that they're doing the right thing with a sword in their hand. Right? This is not, it's good. 
It's not perfect. That's not the way to go into a court case with uh, with the executioner like on call. Like it's just it's just not appropriate. So there's something good, but something that's that's not perfect. So let's see what happens. So the Isha Levi's there, right? The man who the story revolves around, Vayana Isha Levi, and the uh, Levite man comes uh, answers. Isha Isha, the husband of the woman, which uh, you know the 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 Malvin points out that he's described over here specifically as the husband. Why? To excuse me, to counter the possible argument that could be made, well, since she committed, no, sorry, uh, since she committed, right, we saw that there was this ambiguous term of adultery that took place in the beginning of the story. We're told, yeah, if you want to switch these on. Uh, there's this, this ambiguous term of adultery that took place in the beginning of the story, and the question is, do we take it literally or not? Our sages do not take it literally and assume that she didn't commit adultery. Had she committed adultery, then the severity of what they did, while still bad, is different. They are not Married, it's not adultery as well, but the Torah is saying no. Isha, Isha, the husband of this woman. The Malbim's arguing to emphasize again, not everyone would agree, but to emphasize the fact that she is. They are still married, okay, and therefore adding to the the the, the gravity of what they did. Hanir um, uh, the woman who was killed by Yomar, and he said, Hagiva sa Yamin, Basi ani ufilak shilalun to giva, which is in Binyamin, Me and my pilagash, the pilagash and I came to rest. And the people of Giva came, uh, stood up against me. They came and surrounded the house at night. Me, they wanted to kill. Now, we don't really find that, right? Uh, they wanted to rape him. They didn't want to kill him. The Barbanel suggests that he wasn't lying. The Barbanel suggests that they understood that there's no way he would submit to this, and therefore, ultimately, he would die. Okay. That could be. Um, he also, it seems like he's like saying that the whole city is responsible. Good point. So, two ways of looking at this. Excellent point, right? Um, e- either um, he's lying, right, and he's exaggerating, and you could say that certainly about that second piece as well, right? Let, maybe let's take, this, uh, let's take this slow. We could assume Mr. Levy, this unidentified man, is exaggerating and saying things he's not supposed to say. For example, they wanted to kill me? Maybe not. Um, that was all Baliagiva? Maybe not, but we did point out, so in terms of the wanting to kill, the Barbanel addresses that, but in terms of the Bale Giva, well, you're right, he doesn't imply, he doesn't say that it was a group of people, but we did see two opinions last week as to whether or not who these people were. Were they just Bnevlial, or was it Anshe Ha'ir, right? The people of the city, prominent people. So while it's true, he doesn't distinct, doesn't say it was a portion of them, but if, if we go with that second approach that if these are important people, then Bale Giva really is an I think an acceptable term to be used, even well, though he I'm doesn't saying, qualify. If you, have people, like, if you would have said, oh, like, um, like this, these like rabble rousers did this, people like, okay, like, okay, whatever, let them deal with it. But right. But if he exaggerates, say, oh, these are important people. Well, it like, may not be an exaggeration. Hey. Well, but that's that's what goes exactly. So you're you're pointing out this bridge that supports that that second approach. No, two- but he could still be like not saying the truth about it, just to get like, people don't care if it's just rabble rousers. But if you start saying like, oh, there's actually like, prominent people. It could be false, but then people are like, oh, wait, that's not right. That's Right. So again, going back to last chapter, there's one read which implies that these are prominent people, in which case he's not lying. So I think we have, to, right? So this could be that he's just saying the exact truth, right? He certainly omitted details. Um, okay, fine. Va'oches pifilakshi. He says that after this all happened, uh, sorry, vespilakshi inu vatamos, and they violated my concubine and she died. And he forgot the part that he threw him out. 
Correct. He skipped a whole bunch of details. Correct. Absolutely. So without a doubt, he skipped details. Um, and again, I, I don't think any of us uh, had too much love for this Isha Levi after the entire story, but you're absolutely right. He is certainly skipping. Whether he's exaggerating or not, I think, is up to debate. Uh, but without a doubt, he is omitting details, or at least there are details that are omitted over here in terms of his involvement. The way he makes it sound is that they attack, and he, he gets out of dying, and they just violate her, but he doesn't imply, doesn't mention anything about his involvement. Right. I then took the concubine. I'm the one who sent her throughout um, all the, all throughout all the Jewish people. They did something disgusting and, and, and yeah, abhorrent uh, among the Jewish people. And now he concludes with uh, exhorting them. All of you, the Jewish people are here. Havulachem Davar Be'etza, come up with an idea, with a matter, an idea. Halom, now. Okay. Let's pause for a second. Does that word halom sound familiar to you? Yeah. From where? This is my theory. Al tigash halom. Good. It's the snap. It's the snap. Excellent. Oh, we have an excellent lane over here. Right? Good. Good, good, good. So, right? So, who's that said to? Right? That said to Moshe, right? When Moshe is. Al tigrav halom. right? The first time God speaks to Moshe, he says, Al tigrav halom, don't come here. Don't come close. Um, take, your, take your shoes off. Okay. However, um, if you recall, we had a very interesting usage of the word halom. In um, in the 18th chapter, uh, I don't know. one second. Uh, second. Ah, if you go back to page 630, page 630, page 630, this is, I think, uh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 18, Pasa Gimel. So 18.3. Okay, again, chapter 18, verse 3, page 630. Vemi kiras kolanar, halevi, right? This is the different, right? Presumably, this is the, the levi youth who is the priest in Pesal Micha, by, with Micha. And they hear his voice, and they recognize him. Vyusturusham, and they turn to him. Vyumrulo mi heviyacha, halom, who brought you here? Right, if you, what do you remember what Chazal said over there? Chazal said, halom, halom. It's a very unique word. It's a word that barely, rarely shows up in the Torah. So Chazal says over there, Rashi says over there, if you have Rashi in some of your books maybe, Rashi says over there that me, Hevyacha Halom, they were saying, you are a descendant of Moshe, to whom God said, right, don't come closer, don't come to this place, Halom. So that word Halom was our indication that this young man, and later on we see his name, Yonasan ben Menashe, and, or what, excuse me, the grandson of Menashe, and we take the Nunah and we assume that he's a grandson of Moshe. So our sages assume, based on the word Halom, that this Levi was the grandson of Moshe. So if you recall, two weeks ago, I suggested a theory which no one agrees with, and that is that this Levi is actually Moshe's grandson again, and it's the same Ish Levi, and made some suggestions. But this halom, to me, is mind-blowing. This is an amazing uh, support uh, to the non-theory, which no one agrees with, and that is that, again, if it's a, one of the very, very few places we have the word halom, and he is the one, again, using that terminology again. I think we have a case, okay? But, okay, anyway, just wanted to mention... So, yeah, exactly. But I, I, think, I think it certainly adds to the, the, the possibility that to read this as the same person, which, again, just makes the story so much more 
unbelievable, right? Uh, I mean, it all revolves around one person, and obviously the, the, the irony and the drama involved with the grandson of Mo, you know, most, the, the, it, it speaks to the fall of the nation. It's like, you know, I, I don't have to give you any analogies. You understand. I mean, it's the grandson of Moshe who is involved in the most terrible episodes that close out the book, that era of the Shoftim. It just, it, it, again, he certainly is involved, according to Chazal, with the story of Pesamicha, and to put him at the center of the story and acting in such a terrible way, which we saw him not being so caring about those who cared for him um, earlier in the story, uh, earlier with, with Micha and walking away from Micha, not caring about what he gave him. Um, and, and over here, again, the, the father-in-law gives to him and gives to him, and then he completely disregards the Pilegesh. Um, over here, you know, it, it, I don't think it's shocking. I don't think it's shocking, but okay, take it or leave it. Okay, let's go a little further. 180 promotion. Sure. Sorry? Yeah, most of the paradigm of you know, oh, okay. the underdog. Uh, he is, you know, the Mitzri is killing the Jew and, right. the, uh, and Midian and everything, and here you have this fellow, the same, at least progeny. That's right. Who's that's right, and and one other feature, Hakar Satov, right? Moshe is all about the gratitude to everything, not only everyone, but everything. And here is the person who completely, time and time again, is not being grateful to the people who cared for him, to the the children of the people who cared for him. So, yeah, excellent, good good point. Yeah, okay. Pazukhas, okay. Vayakum kalaam kishachad lemar. Again, it's that kishachad, which we pointed out could go both ways. The nation gets up and they say, Lo nelech ishla halo, vlo nasr ishla So no one could go home. We know it could go home. We need to act right now, okay? Which is noble. It has a certain nobility to it. This is what we're going to do. Who's leading this, these people? Nobody. Nobody. They are all acting um, without leaders. And we'll come back to that. Not today. But, you know, stand up and say, okay. Yeah, it seems like there's just broad consensus for what they're, what they're doing. But clearly, I mean, I, that, that's exactly the point. There is no leader, right? Meaning, again, that is the, that is the refrain. In these... Someone's got to come and say, hey, let's all go up. Like, no one's like, you know, someone has to have that initial idea. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's born out of consensus less so than, uh, granted, there may be one person who maybe said it first, but ultimately it's consensus. There's no defined leader. Right? And I think that's being emphasized over here. Lo neilach ish right? So no one should go home. Ba'atazah davar shanasa Give it this is what we're going to do. Aleha begara. We're going to go up against Giva with a lottery. V'lekachnu asara nashim lemeil achol shifte Yisrael. We're going to take 10% of the people. 10 out of 100. Umeil elef. 100 for 1,000. Ve'elef l'revava. And 1,000 for every 10,000. L'kachas seida la'am. La'asos levom legeva binyamin. So what are these? What are this 10% going to do? They're going to go and prepare food. Why do we need food? Why the emphasis on food? Because they showed up here in such a rush that they didn't take food along with them, right? So let's come back. Let's finish the pasuk. Levom legeva binyamin, so that they could go up against binyamin. Akichal and avalash of Israel to um, to do what they have to do to 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 respond to the the terrible thing that was done against the Jewish people. How do you have a, like, a war or a battle with no leader? Like, it's, 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 I think we have to approach it at two levels. Absolutely. People have had to, had to step up on some level. But the, obviously the author is, is de-emphasizing the individual over here. And, and clearly, deliberately so. Your point is, is so important. In other words, you're right. Clearly someone, people, a couple of people were calling the shots. But the Torah is going out of its way to consistently downplay that. You know, the Torah is always about the individual. You know, the Torah is always talking about the leader who does this, the leader does that. And over here, although you're right, presumably some people were speaking up, but at the same time, there was, there's no mention of that because there is no real true leader at this point. Even though you're right, people must have been speaking up. 
But this, it has this emphasis on the food, which is clearly a significant part, right? The fact that there's whole like, three psukim over here, or two psukim over here, uh, describing the process of how they're going to get food. It doesn't seem like such an important feature. Who cares? Whatever. You know, if we didn't know where they got food, we would be just fine. There are many wars that are discussed in the Torah where we don't really know who fed them. Well, is it saying that they're not taking from where they are? Like, they're not, they're not um, foraging? Could be. It could be. It could, it could be to, to make that point. I think alternatively, I, I think it goes back to that point of the haste that this all happens with, right? In other words, they all rush out. It's spontaneous. And there's something beautiful about that, right? They, they see this injustice and they're like, we have to do something. And they rush out with their swords. But there's something also very dangerous about haste, right? There's a reason we know that Ruvain is eliminated as the, the leader of the Jewish people, Pachaz Gamayim, because the fact that he doesn't sit on things. And there's no wisdom when you just act without without thought. And so although there's something very beautiful and romantic about what they're doing over here, there's also something very dangerous. There is a lack of forethought, a lack of, and the fact that they are stuck over here without any food, hundreds of thousands of people, there's nothing here, really just underscores how much of a haste there was. Again, beautiful, but as we'll see, also quite dangerous. Sorry? No leader. No leader, right? Well, that guy was very, very persuasive because he said, no, I'm doing now. And other people could have said, Thank you. We'll go back and talk right, about it. Right, right, right. So we could give him some of the blame, but I think yeah. everyone's presumably, yeah, it takes two to tango, right? It takes, takes well, 400,000 to tango. To, to um, so yeah, you're right. You're right. It's certainly he, he, played, he played a role. He was, certainly was the one who said, halom, but it has to, in this context, translate it as now. Um, but they also came with their swords. They also came with that rush that they didn't even entertain the possibility that they would be spending some time figuring out what to do. So via safe call issues to all of the year. Also, there's no deliberation about what actually happened. Right. They just take it for granted. You're assuming that the story that is being told is what occurred. Now, we know it's partly true, but right. a lot of other things could have happened here. Right. Right. And, and, and perhaps they should have asked. Again, so what level of, of, of fault is Binyamin at over here for not attending is a good question. I mean, they don't have someone to interrogate, which is... Right, so whose fault is that? But you're right, they still, you know, that's a good point. They are just simply listening and going and acting on it. Yeah. So they all gather uh, against the city like one person, Chaverim. Again, this is the third time it's been mentioned, so clearly it's to be emphasized. And again, just go back to the way we framed it initially, either for the irony, there they gather for Torah, here they gather for bloodshed, or there is something beautiful that is happening, and that is for the first time they are reaching out over their borders. They are, for, they are reaching out, wasn't a political statement, they are, they are demonstrating their unity, they are demonstrating the fact that they are an Am, they are Am Helokim, as they are as they're referred to before, and, and there's something very powerful about that. Is it really, really, I mean, wouldn't uh, like, no one stood up for Benjamin, like, not even like Nashin or Fahim, or even like, no, something like, hey, you know, this is not them. Yeah. Could be right. Doesn't sound like it. Doesn't sound like it. Um, it is. It is. It, it's. It's a good point that no one's speaking up, and, and we'll come back to that in just a moment. So I want to. I guess maybe a global question we have to. We have to address, and that I want to come back to that in, in, in a few seconds. Um, and and that is, are they justified in what they're about to do? They. For, for, uh, no, I mean, there's no. Like he said, there, there's no. There's no. It's not justice. It's just a mob. Just like okay, let's just get him. There's no. There's no... Let's say, and let's say they did deliberate. Let's say they did have a, a, a drawn-out discussion and their court, and let's say it's a legitimate court, decides we are going to go and kill them. Is that, is that enough? Is that the plan? I don't, I don't know what happens next. 
Well, they gather to go against the nation. We'll see. They're Did going to make an overture to Binyamin, and Binyamin's going to reject them. They're going to go, go to war. Sorry, sorry. God. Sorry? It wasn't sanctioned. There's no sanction by God, right? They didn't speak to the coin belt or anything. They, right, they don't speak. Well, we'll see. There's going to be some discussion with something related to the coin belt. We'll come back to that. Uh, let's ask a more basic question. The people in Givah, let's say they would stand in front of a Jewish court. What would be their punishment? Politically, they, uh, have a, there was no warning. There was no witnesses. No, all, they wouldn't. Right. They wouldn't, and, they wouldn't meet the criteria, halachic criteria. Right, and ecological criteria for what even? Right, there's no witnesses, there's no warning, and what are we, what are we, what are we executing them for? Or punishing them for? Killing? No. That they can't do, right? They clearly didn't kill her. The Torah is clear about that. It, it, that we, in, in Jewish law, you can't be executed. Capital punishment is not applicable for causing someone's death. They clearly caused it, but they didn't kill her, right? She, after, right? The Torah is clear about the fact that after, the, after, she, after that horrible night, she died on the, on, the, on the doorstep. But they didn't kill her, right? Um, so maybe Aisha's ish, again, would depend on the, different, on the different factors. But this is certainly not your classic case of if they were just to be standing in front of a court, there's no way they'd be killed, right? Um, that said, that said. Um, but there are certain situations where even though you're not strictly liable, it, is there, isn't there this concept where the base thing can, because of societal need, good, excellent, still go like, if you mature Sadin and... Right, right. And so whole tribe, and that whole city... Well, not, not we have, we have, we have, we have, we do. So Basin is empowered. To, so the Ramban makes the Ramban makes that argument. The Ramban says the reason they're just over here is this is what we uh, what, what they call like uh, like beyond the legal legalities. What's the word? Uh, whatever it is, it's it's something above legal. Uh, whatever it is, extra legal. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, come on, guys. All you, all you. There's a bunch of lawyers here. What's going on? <laughs> okay. Whatever it is. Anyway, but it's it's beyond beyond the, right. This is not your typical legal construct. But there's a, there's a way of bypassing some of that. Whether it's based in that's the Ramban's approach. It's based in is empowered. This is certainly close, similar enough in some respect to a, what we you know a, a city of idolatry, which we know we do destroy when when a city is. Consumed with idolatry, we do destroy the whole city, even if there are people there who technically shouldn't be guilty. Children, um, you know, we destroy the whole city, we burn the city down. Sorry, that's idolatry. That's like okay, but this is bad. This is this is certainly this speaks to a certain brazenness and a certain uh, terrible way of acting. And is there justification? So the the point is that there is precedent, and based and is empowered to punish. That's what the Ramban addressed, which is a straightforward approach, saying that and this is. They're acting as a basin. They're all the leaders we saw earlier. It's been mentioned three times that the leaders, the pinos, all the different terms for leadership is there. They're gathered. So it, it perhaps is justified uh, based on that alone. Uh, the Malvim takes a more creative approach. He says, you know, again, we, we talk about the fact that the, Torah, that the Navi over here mentions numerous times that they gather as one. So, so there's, there's one particular individual who typically has the right to go beyond the law, and that is the king. The king has the right to kill people if they, for frankly, any reason. They has, the king has a lot of latitude in terms of what they're allowed to do. Now, conceptually, the, what the king really is supposed to be is really an embodiment of the entirety of the people. That's really what a king is. And when you look at all the literature, right, the king is supposed to be a reflection, right? Kiddush Levanitzin, if you want to go say it. Um, and the idea is, right, David Melech Yisrael is the, is the moon. Why is the moon? If you look in the Kabbalistic literature, the moon is represents the king in the sense that it reflects light. The king is where the, the, the Zohar, you know, it says, Lesley has none of its, none of its, nothing of its own. That's a real king is just embodiment, takes in all of the nature of the people and unifies it in one. But if you theoretically have everyone together, that is a king. That is the king. The Malvah wants to argue that this gathering and the fact that it was mentioned over and over again, Kishachan, is not. to justify his argument is that saying, this is on par. Okay, this is on par. This is as close as it's going to get. This is on par with 
a king, fair point, but this is on par with, and it wasn't really everyone, again, there's only 400,000 people there, which is not the entire nation, but this is as close to a representation of the king, and therefore there is not through the act of Bastin, which there's a Ramban's approach, but rather there it is through um, it is through that of the similarity or the equivalence of a king acting and judging. That's the, that's those are their justifications in in what's going on over here. It's worth pointing out. This goes back to what you were saying before. Uh, Dasofrim um, points out that the unity over here is actually a negative thing, and maybe even although it might have long term good and positive things, but we do have a rule whenever a based in, whenever court rules, and certainly when it comes to Dina Nefashos, you need, when it comes to, to anything relating to life and death, if it's a unanimous decision, they drop the case. If every single member of the court says this person is guilty, we have a rule that we don't, we don't, we don't treat them as guilty. Why? You need to have, the, it's impossible that there is no counter argument. That's the assumption, which is a pretty amazing idea in and of itself. But the, over here, the fact that they're all so unified and the fact that the decision is so accepted so quickly and the fact that there's no pushback, that's a problem, right? It's actually the, the way that uh, some commentators look at the, the Tower of Bavel was the fact that everyone's unified. You need diversity. You need diverse opinions, whether it comes from the Shvatim close to them or not. But the fact that they're all acting together is really a problem. Okay, one way or another, um, one way or another. So again, just pulling these pieces together. Uh, the, the classical Mepharshim do assume that there's a justification of what they're doing, not in the regular legal sense, but whether through Bastin or a similar construct of a king. Um, but and one way or another, the, they all are agreeing that there's something so terrible over here, this is devolving into something Sodom-like, and therefore we have to step in. Do any of you first talk about the idea of um, some hostility between the Shvatim and the Yamin? Yamin is the only... All other Shvatim are from Rachel, are from Leah and the Pilachim. Right. Um, this don't only shave it, I guess, Menashe Nefraim, right? And those are large Shvatim as well. So, you know, and they're there. Right? I mean, those, those, I guess we were pointing out before, right? They're there and they're in. They're in, right? If, if, you, were, if, you, if, you, if you didn't know anything else, you'd think there's, some, what's, there's something else right. going on here. Right. hostility. Right. That wasn't just this event. Correct. And you do find with the Civil Wars that, that there is typically there's somewhat of a divide. Right? But there's something else. This could be the trigger, but it's something else. But you know. right, yeah, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. I, you, you certainly, it, there is a consistent pattern that you know it's Benjamin and Yosef, and there they're kind, you know, throughout, throughout there's this constant divide. But it is interesting over here that it's just Benjamin and Yosef's children; those tribes are on the other side. Yeah, okay. Um, so now they do what they were supposed to do before, and they say Maharazos They send. Um, um, Ambassadors to all the, throughout all of Binyamin, and they and they say, "What is this terrible thing that happened?" Vaata now They acknowledge. So although it wasn't said explicitly, and perhaps uh, you know the the Isha Levi, the the Levi, when it's said initially, you know, it's framed a little bit differently. But it's clear over here that they knew that there was individuals. It wasn't the entire city as a mob. It's clear that they understood that. They say, "Bring them forward." Unamisim. Let's kill them. Let's get rid, let's, let's uproot the, let's eradicate the evil from among the Jewish people, right? So they, they, this is the appropriate thing to do. You don't just attack. Uh, they first ask, bring forth those people. What happens? They don't listen. Obviously, there's a certain irony over here being called Achehem over here. Um, and, and presumably, it's it said in favor of the other 11 tribes. They're acting as a brother. They're not coming with an attack. They're coming, again, they're coming armed. They're not coming like nobodies. They're all there massed together, but they're saying, listen, all you have to do is send out those people. They're trying to be kind over here, 
and then everything would be okay. But Binyamin doesn't listen. All of the tribes of Binyamin go from their cities to Giva, and they're ready to wage war. I mean, it's an amazing thing, right? Because without knowing the context, like you're saying, there must be something else over here. It's unbelievable that this just happened. So even if it doesn't really happen within a few days, but the fact that everyone's just mobilized and ready to wage war over here. Over what? Over something significant. You know, I, I'm not, I, we, we can't downplay that, that their, their response is, is very, is, is... Yeah, usually people go to war for something. Like, what, what, I mean, are they going to war just because they don't want to give up these people or giving up... Like so, going to war is like, is it, that's their way of life? Like, what are they going, what's the cause of them refusing, going and fighting for that, like putting themselves in that position to die? Because we see like they're, they're totally outnumbered. Right, right. So again, so I just want to clarify. In terms of the 11 Shvatim, we, we command them. Meaning what they're doing is that they see an evil. You're absolutely, typically wars are fought over land, over land. You know, I don't know, stop, usually. Um, and over here, they're fighting for a cause, which is, which is beautiful, which is very, very moving, right? It, it's coming from a good place. Even if they jump to too quick of a judgment and they made a mistake there and they were too excited to, to fight, uh, but it's coming from a very important place. Um, that said, in terms of Binyamin, yeah, I mean, it's pride. It sounds like it's pride. They have no reason. All they had to do is give up a few people. This is a suicide uh, mission on their part, although we'll see. Um, don't want to spoil anything, but we'll see. It doesn't necessarily have to end that way. But um, it, it is crazy on Binyamin's part. Aside from, aside from the fact that it's immoral because they not, there were people who did something wrong, and we know they did something wrong, but also on their own end, um, it's just rather arrogant and, and seems rather silly. For what what we're about to witness. Unless it reflects the whole idea that, what, even though these were the people who did it, it was a society that tolerated it. Yeah, and they're fighting for it. tolerating it because they're not. If they're not fighting it, then they're endorsing it. They're not giving up the. The ones who are the That's a good point. That's a good point, right? So it could be a reflection not just of of their of their kinship to one another, but but in, perhaps even whether implicit some implicit endorsement of, of what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Also, this is happening right after the entire Israel. The fact that they weren't able to wipe out and go after all these little strongholds of all these clan and whatever it is, they didn't touch that. But here, you know, boom, they are four hundred thousand in to destroy the other. It's I, kind of weird. I, I think it's even crazier if it's at the end of the book, right? Meaning, or, or even emphasize it much more. Meaning, we come yeah, to Shimshon. On the, I, 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 thank you. Meaning, in other words, you come to Shimshon, and and you know, as we pointed out there, Yehuda mobilizes, but they don't like really do much. And over here, there is this huge mass of people ready to fight, but they fight each other, and they don't fight. The people they were commanded sure. to fight, right? It's 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 sad, but you're like you're saying, it's just, uh, yeah, it really um, underscores the fact that they were, um, you know, it, you lose your excuse when you're able to do it in another context. Yeah. Um, okay. Where are we? Uh, 15. Tesvav. First, oh yeah. They, they mustered together 26,000 people. So, all, all with swords. Levad In Giva itself, they have 700 young men who are gathered. Okay? So, 26,700 people ready to fight. Nikola Amazah, from this group. Shvameos Ishbachar, these 700 people. Itzer. Yad Yamini, Yamino, they are lefties. Interesting. Come back to that in a second. Kolze Kolea Be'even El Asara Veloyachati. These are 700 very skilled warriors. They could sling a stone to a hare 
and they will not miss it. Okay, so whether that's an exaggeration or not, it's basically saying they're not exactly pushovers, right? Which other lefty Binyamite are we aware of? Yeah, the one earliest. The sword, that's right. Ehud ben Gera. That would be very impressed. Sorry, okay, no, no, no. Sorry. Okay, so from the tribe of Minyamin. So clearly, I don't know, is there genetics in, when it comes to lefties? I have no idea. Uh, but, but clearly there is a lot of lefties in Minyamin. Uh, but also they are clearly, as we'll see in a moment, they are not... Um, pushovers. Okay, the Ish Yisrael, he spoke to the Vav Mibinyamin, Arba Mias Elef Ish, Sholef Kharav, again, they have 400,000, Koza Ish Machama, they are all warriors. Vekumu Vayalu Beis El, now they go to Beis El, Vayishalu Velohim, or Velokim, they ask God, Vayomer, and listen to their question, Vayomer Bnei Yisrael, Mi Yalanu Batschilu Machama, in Bnei Binyamin, who should go first? Who should lead? Right, you're saying before, who's the leader? Who should lead? Vayomer Hashem, Yehuda Batschila, Yehuda should lead. Now, the Barbanel suggests two radically different approaches. Why are they asking this question? He says, either because um, they all wanted to lead, and therefore they're fighting over it. He says, alternatively, no one wanted to do this, yeah. right? Which kind of goes back to what our apathetic, a little bit, brings us back a little bit more to the people that we know from the book of Shoftim. They're not so interested in fighting. They know they have to do something, but now they, they turn to God to flip the coin because they don't really want to do it themselves. They didn't ask if they should. They just ah, they very good. Good pickup. Excellent. We're going to come back to that. But right? The, the question they ask is not, should we go? How should we go? Well, you kind of skipped the most important question and we'll come back to that. Yeah. But why Yehuda? Why Yehuda? Yehuda always I mean, goes first. Yeah, but, well, but do we... Um... I mean, who who was like who are the people that, that initiated this whole thing? Well, there's the Ish Ish Halevi, um, but but Yehuda, meaning this is the you know the Chazal point out because Yehuda's always, oh and again, let's go back to our bigger picture over here, right? And and uh, what I'm suggesting is that oh, as much as there's a lot of bad we're about to watch take place, but there's also something very positive, right? They're coming together as a group for the first time, as far as we're seeing, and they're finally being told, and they finally ask the question like, who's supposed to lead? Yehuda, you're always supposed to lead, but now they finally hear, right? But this is this is the, the over like the, the unasked question throughout the entire book, really, other than Asniel ben Kenaz in the opening chapters of Shoftim. Yehuda, you're always supposed to lead. Yehuda, and, and it's interesting. It doesn't say Yehuda v'atchila. The commentator says it's not even saying he should do it. It's Yehuda v'atchila. It's it's the reality. The reality is Yehuda always goes first. It's as if again this question was supposed to be asked for so long. But it wasn't, right? So again, there's some positive that's coming out of what we're witnessing. Also, Hashem is talking. Correct. What meaning? I mean, for a lot of this, Hashem is kind of quiet. That's interesting. Good point, right? So there, there is some communication, right? With, with Shimshon, you know, God's spirit, but there was certainly no God communication. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, perhaps another positive thing. Through the Urmatumim, which is a lesser, which is worth pointing out, Urmatumim is a lesser point, uh, form of, of communication, but still is um, communication, right? They gather um, and they, they encamp against Giva. And the man Israel, again, speaks their unity. They go out to wage war against Benyamin. And they wage war. It's such an opposite. Because like, I mean, you look at what happened with Yosef, Yudah was the one who like tried to save Benyamin. He was the one that came to his yep, yep. came to his aid. And then, Yemen was the the one they looked after, and over here they're going after. Him, right, so, but yep. Yehuda was the main person that when he like, he thought it was his responsibility. Good, beautiful point. Yemen was taken. Beautiful. And now he's like, okay. Beautiful, right? Yehuda, right? This is certainly a turning of the tables of. One of the most important moments in unity was Yehuda saving Benjamin, and now it's the opposite. Excellent, beautiful. Well, no, but, but that's also why he wanted one of the reasons why he got his uh, 
before because he protected Yosef. Right, right, beautiful. Right, 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 right. exactly. Yehuda regained, re-earned. That's not a word. Uh, he earned um, what what he earned the Bechorah was because of the fact that he took responsibility for Binyamin. And here, that's all being flipped on its head. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Cool. Good. And the children of Binyamin go out. Upset. 22,000 Jews die from the Jewish people, from the 11 tribes, and Binyamin clearly comes out on top. And you have to ask yourself, and Ari already kind of addressed one possible answer, but while all the commentators struggle, God, whether it was explicit or not, God gave some level of endorsement over here by responding to that question. And even if not, even if you ignore that question, another question you could ask is, clearly something's off over here. You have 400,000 people against 26,700. Okay, that's fair. We have 11 tribes, you know, but when you you said, okay, you know who's in in charge. Okay, You know who leaders are. Could be. You have a lot of people, like, you have different, like, who knows what the coordination would be. That could be. That could be. Can I ask you, back with... Yaakov's blessing, I'm just looking back, uh, this is English, but uh, Benjamin is a predatory wolf, in the morning he'll devour the prey, in the evening he'll distribute the spoils, and then there's like this little commentary that actually refers to this. Interesting. Um, that how mighty and fearless they were, and then it goes on to Shaul, who of course is very soon after this, right. depending on if this was the beginning or the end. Right. Predatory, I don't know what the Hebrew word is, because that can go Tarif, that can yeah, good yeah. or bad. Right, 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 right. So, but, just interesting. Yeah, but, but, but you're absolutely right. So maybe, maybe we should minimize the question. Binyamin and the Torah and the Navi already told us. These guys were good warriors, right? So we could just look at this as they were excellent. A lot of good warriors. If you look, uh, you know, from Don all the way to, you know, because um, they said Don was, as they said, go back to the brother, Don would just chop people in half. Like that. They led nature all through. Actually. So we see they're all warriors. It's not like... Okay. It's a situation, always a situation where... They're defending their home. So sometimes in that, in that, kind, of, that kind of situation, the, defend, the defender, even though they're lesser, have a advantage over the aggressor. Right, right, the right. They're, the motivation, I mean, you talk about the motivation of the attack. It was a moral motivation, but they're defending their home. They're defending, so right. that might explain. Right, so the other hand, it's all... It's really all up to God. <laughs> right. So, so I think and, that, and if you look at it, what they're doing is they are outraged by this by this crime against this woman, and yet they're not outraged about Avodazara. So, you know. Good. Good. Excellent. So let, 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 let's let's get to that. So I think I think we could I, I, I think these two things are not mutually exclusive. I think we could look at this purely and say, okay, this does make sense rationally. Benjamin, you know, they maybe they're more skilled, maybe they're better organized. You know, we are, we are, we are, we oftentimes as Jews, the Jewish people, still on the opposite side of that, where small groups of people are far more powerful, whether it's the defense piece or or otherwise. Um, but certainly, the assumption that all of our classical commentators make is if if this made it into the book, we're going to assume that if something which doesn't seem to make sense on face value, there must be a reason. There must be a reason, and it must be that God is allowing this to happen on some level, and therefore that everyone tries to figure out what did B'nai Israel, and, and really their outrage, it's moral outrage, there, there's a lot of good over here, right? Um, so what did they do wrong? And Chazal say exactly that, what you're just saying, and that is that um, the assumption is this is taking place at the same time. Wow. 
It's okay. Uh, new new construction, but it should not have made the lights flicker. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what that was, but everyone's okay. No one's crying, so it's okay. Uh, so sorry for the scare. Um, so um, the assumption the, the assumption is this taking place around the same time as Pesel Micha. And on the one hand, there is moral outrage when it comes to their own dignity, when it comes to someone messing with us. But when it comes to someone messing with God, nobody blinks. On the contrary, they're a hero, right? Everyone, everyone wants a piece of Micha. Everyone wants a, sorry, a piece of that Pesel. And so the contrast is actually what brings up their... So in other words, um, you touched on this earlier, but right when you, when you have... Um, and, you know, if, if you're apathetic across the board, it's one thing, right? But if you're apathetic in one situation and another thing gets you excited, right, then actually that reflects quite far worse on you because that means you have the capacity for moral outrage, but only when it's about you and not when it's about God, right? So it's specifically over here when they're doing the right thing, but that really makes it much more of an of a accusation against them. Why didn't they step up before? Okay, um, that's how that's the classic way of understanding this. That the issue over here is the contrast with their response or lack of response to Pesel Micha. It's worth pointing out there's a couple of technical things that are missing over here. Uh, the Urim Vatum, according to the Torah, could only be used when two things need to happen. One, the Kohen Gadol has to be there. You mentioned that before. The Urim Vatum without it. And B, it has to be in front of the Aron, has to be in the base of Megdash. Those things are mentioned. Maybe they did take place, maybe they didn't. But as we keep on reading, we'll see it's quite clear that they did not, at this point, utilize those things. They, they kind of used the Urim Tumim but kind of on their own terms, right? Almost goes back to Pesel Micha on some level, in the sense that they are, they're serving God, but it's not exactly the way they're supposed to. Whether it's out of ignorance or not, we could debate. Um, one other point, the Ramban suggests that, um, that their mistake over here, and interestingly, it kind of goes back to what you were asked in the beginning of the class, is the following. He quotes from the Sifrei that really, it is the tribe's job to judge each tribe. Question, judicial question. Someone sins in the tribe of X, Benjamin over here. Whose job is to judge them? Yeah. And the Ramban says, it is not the Jewish people's job, right? Although we're all prone to be excited about this it's unity it's piece, it's but he says it's wrong. It's exactly, it's states. Jurisdiction, yeah, exactly, right? It's a state, it's a state issue, and basically the, the state is supposed, the tribe of Yemen is supposed to judge, and therefore they were guilty for doing uh, what they weren't supposed to do. Now, now I guess but the question of... Exactly. So that the Ramban doesn't deal with that. So that's my, my issue with the Ramban's approach. My question on the Ramban's approach, um, it's good if, but what happens when they don't? Shouldn't it then go to the next level? Shouldn't the Jewish people have to step in? He doesn't address that question. But, but that is his approach on, on what they did wrong over here. Okay. Now, again, obviously the, 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 the thing that um, Aryu picked up earlier, and that is the, you know, they didn't really ask God. It wasn't like God misled them. They asked the, the, the second question and made an assumption about the first. They made a couple of assumptions. A, that they should go. B, that they'll be successful. The only question is who should go first, right? So there is a sense of they're supposed to be asking God. We have a notion whenever you go into war, you have to ask God. They don't. There's an assumption they're going to be victorious, which is a certain element of arrogance. And so God didn't mislead them. He answered the question, right? It's always, uh, you know, they say when you ask someone a question, you have to know, you know, what do you ask? You have to ask the question appropriately to get the, the, the right answer. And the question will oftentimes, um, you know, just address the question. Over here, they only ask who should go first, but they miss the more important fundamental question. So let's just summarize this piece. We'll, we'll pause over here. Um, you know, the piece starts off with, on the one hand, something very positive, but also something very dangerous. The Jewish people spontaneously mobilize to fight the injustice. Again, no one's gathering them. There's no call to gather a mitzvah. They all know. 
something's wrong, we have to go and we have to gather. Um, and we see that also with the lack of food that's being brought. And so on the one hand, um, this quickness leads to the mistake of not seeing this through properly. Certainly according to the Ramban, they don't even follow the appropriate judicial process. Right? Um, there also, there's no counter arguments, they're just going forward. At the same time, I would argue that this is, there's a certain turning point that's taking place over here in the, the positive element of the unity, that this terrible tragedy shocks them into waking up. And again, there's still work to be done, but this is one positive, I would argue, one positive step forward. Um, they're asking the Urim and Tumim, which certainly in contrast with Pesel Micha, is a step forward. They're still not doing it right. Maybe that will change. We'll have to see. But they're going a step in the positive direction, especially, by the way, if who is the main person over here who's getting them all riled up? It's the priest of Micha himself. Again, you don't have to take that, but fine. Uh, they're still punished, though. Uh, and they're punished, again, we saw a couple of reasons. One is they're punished for they weren't supposed to be the ones to judge Binyamin. Uh, one, as, as the Chazal say, for caring about themselves, not caring about God. And also this element of being arrogant. Um, and we'll see, though, how they evolve throughout the rest of this battle. We will not have a class the next two weeks. My apologies, we'll be traveling a bit. Um, so we'll take a two-week hiatus, um, and we will pick up in the third week of February. Okay, have a good night.